Welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hope you enjoy today's sermon. Faith for Living is about bringing the kingdom of God to bear on every aspect of our life. Last week, we focused on family, reading in Romans 1 that we are righteous through faith and that we therefore live by faith. The good news about Jesus is the power of God at work in me and in you. And Paul said it's from start to finish by faith. So every aspect of our life is to be lived by faith including family, including home, including today we'll talk about work. God has declared you righteous when you receive the good news of Jesus, and that's what we celebrated when we share the table together. We are all part of God's family, and each of us bear witness to Jesus. One of the most significant ways that we bear witness is through our own family dynamic, whether married or single. So today we're going to talk about work. <laughs> Yay! We're going to talk about work. Now listen, I this isn't even in my notes, but I know that in our congregation and just in this small group gathered here right now, we have people in all stages of work life. Just like last week we talked about we have people representing um, a v- variety of different family models and situations. Well, work life is different. We have several retired people. We have people at the early stages of their career, and then we've got mid-career. We've got business owners. We've got a lot of different types of approaches to work here, but let's see what the Word of God may have to say to us. So here's the main points, and then we'll dig into them. Work is a gift from God. Amen. Good. It took you a little while, but it came. It came, the amen. Okay. From the beginning, work included rhythms and limits. The place of work and the skills for work are also gifts from God. God is the source of all things. And we are working for God. We are not working for money. So let's see what the Word of God has to say. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And this, of course, comes, Genesis 2 is part of the creation narrative. In Genesis 1, the six days of creation are all listed. And on the sixth day, God created mankind. And then it is told again in chapter 2. And then here is a part of what happened when he had created People, Genesis 2.15, the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Work is a gift from God. Work was given to man before the entrance of sin. God created us to work. And in eternity, we will continue to work, but without the burdens of sin and fallenness. 
Adam was told to work and to guard. That word means to take care of the garden. Up until now, God had been doing the work. He had done all the work in the days of creation, right? And now he has created man in his own image. And now he shares this capacity and gift of work with his image bearer. We cooperate with God in cultivating. And this applies to all the different fields of work that we might be in. The sciences, the arts, the humanities, education, government, defense, technology, research, engineering, manufacturing, agriculture, diplomacy, medicine, communication, etc., etc., etc. We are given great freedom to work and to do. And when we engage in work, we are bringing order out of chaos. We are meant to do this for God. To work is intrinsic to being human. Now, how many did that just mess up your whole idea? Were you thinking like, we work here and then we go to heaven and I don't have to work anymore? (laughs) Or even... We work here until retirement, and then I don't have to work anymore. I want you to rethink that and realize that it doesn't matter whether you are receiving a paycheck from so-and-so. We are not working for that. We are working for God, and it is a part of how God has made us that we engage in meaningful, purposeful work. It may not be the same at age 75 as it was at age 25. I can pretty much guarantee it won't be the same, but it's still meaningful, purposeful work. All right. From the beginning, work included rhythms and limits. So the creation narrative says that God created the world in six days, then rested on the seventh day. Humans were created on the sixth day. The rhythm of work and rest was established by God and embedded into his creation from the beginning. All of nature has rhythms, waves, patterns, cycles, seasons, etc. Rhythms exist through limits. God created limits. So you understand what I'm saying, right? Like a sound wave. There's, there's, there's rhythms and they don't exist outside of limits having been established that make the wave be what it is. Or then when it hits this limit, it moves there. In music, you've got measures, you've got time signatures, you've got things that make the rhythm work. Rhythms and limits work together. Verses 16 and 17 of Genesis 2. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So from the beginning, when Adam had not sinned, there was not, he was not living under the curse or any of that, but he still had a limit. He was not able to just do whatever he wanted. God put a limit. It is, it is part of God's natural, what he has put into us in creation. So I was listening to Pete Scazzaro talking about this, and I captured some of his descriptors about how these rhythms go. So doing and letting go, action and passivity, work and then Sabbath, action, then surrender, engaging, then letting go, active, then contemplative. Moving, then stopping. Intentionality and attentiveness. <laughs> so I like this one. Swimming and then floating. That's me. I can't get all the way to where I might want to go. I usually have to roll over and float a while <laughs> before and then start again on the swimming. Working and then just stopping. We see even in the life of Jesus that he would work and then stop. He would often go to a quiet place to pray. Sabbath is included in the Ten Commandments. Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments, but it did not originate with the law. Jesus declared that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. I do not want to lead us into legalism in this conversation, but I do want to say that when we are talking about work, there are some concepts and principles that our current society has decided just do not apply to us anymore because we are no longer under the law. The principle of Sabbath ceasing from our labors to rest and to enjoy the presence of God is still valid today. And I openly confess to you, that I need to improve in my Sabbath rhythm. As being pastor, I have had a challenge structuring my schedule in a way where I have a true day off. It's just been a challenge for me to get that figured out and to not wind up having extra things that I need to do on Saturday. I knew that I was getting ready for this sermon today. I knew I was going to be preaching this and that I feel that if we are going to have faith that works and live by faith, that this is a principle that's important. And so I was like, oh, Lord, help me. Help me not be like working all day on Saturday. So can I just say that I enjoyed a really gentle pace yesterday? And it was lovely. I rested. I um, just took my time with things. I even just hung out and read for um, leisure some. It was great. And I want to encourage us all, don't neglect this reality. I don't, I, I'm not wanting it to be a legalistic conversation. But there needs to be a rhythm so a rhythm means it, ha it shows up at some regular interval where we are ceasing from our labors and resting. God gave us a pretty simple pattern 
and, and having a day a week makes a lot of sense, where we cease from our labors and we rest. I want to see us all deepen in our discipleship, and this is an important component. Now, it's easier to see it in other people than in ourselves, I have found. It's easier to look at somebody else who's working seven days a week. They're not taking a break. They're always going, going, going without any rest. You can see it when they can't. They will have all sorts of explanations and reasons as to why they have to just keep working. Many people feel they must constantly work just in order to earn enough to cover basic needs. And this is very challenging. And I am still going to encourage us to grow and improve in our Sabbath rhythms, okay? Not out of legalism, but out of a growing and deepening discipleship that helps us work and serve out of a reservoir of spiritual strength and faith. God is the source of all things. So the place of work... Where did God place Adam? In an empty field? In a void? No, he placed him in a garden. Even the place of work was a gift of God. And then the skills for work are also gifts from God. Totally his grace. Now, you might not think of your workplace as a garden. I don't know. Um, And you may not even think of it as a gift. But I want to encourage us to be thankful, thankful to God as our source for all things, including our place of employment. Now, talking about our skills, I've been reading in Exodus and Leviticus about the people of Israel and the, and the, you know, when they were delivered out of Egypt and then they're, they're in the wilderness and God called Moses up the mountain and, and, and gave him the 10 commandments and all this stuff. And then he also gave him this very elaborate pattern for building a tabernacle in the wilderness. It's really interesting to think about, but here's something very important that he explained to Moses after he had told him all this I'm just going to call it fancy stuff that they had to get built. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of her of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. So in that time, in the wilderness, God had given these people special skill. 
The, the, the abilities they had were gifts from God. And I want to tell us he's also our source of skill, ability, knowledge, etc. All that you is you that you bring to work. Part of our work is to apply ourselves to learning, to get a good education, to practice our art, to receive training and continuing education, etc. So I'm not saying it just like, you know, it's not a magic wand thing. Of course, we have to apply ourselves to these things, but let's be careful and not ever just decide that it's all us. We need to glorify God as our source. It is God who gives you the ability and the skill and the knowledge and the capacity to grow in all of these areas. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. And I want to say this to our friends who are retired. You can keep growing. You can keep learning. Whatever is out there that is of interest to you, it doesn't mean that God is done because you're not currently making your living at what you used to do. And I just want to say that, that, that I see that our, we have lots of retired folks here in this community in Vienna, and I want it to be a thriving reality for you. I want it to be that you have meaningful, purposeful ways to engage and that your skills are valued. So as I said, talking about valuing our skills, I've been, as I've been reading through this, just thinking about this reality of the tabernacle being built and how elaborate the, the detail and everything that God gave Moses and told him how to do it. And then he, he told him that Bezalel has all the skills. He's a master craftsman, and, and he's the one that I've given all this, this to that he can do it. Well, when did he learn that craft? You know, he had to have learned that back in Egypt, and he probably had access to all kinds of gold and jewels and, and all the different things that he was working with. But now he's out in the wilderness. And it doesn't, he doesn't know what God's telling Moses up there on the mountain yet. And he may be thinking like, all of that skill, all of that knowledge, all of that ability... And I'm out here walking around in circles in the wilderness. What, what is the use of it? But God had a plan. And I just want to encourage you, all the skills, all the knowledge, everything that you've got, as long as you've got breath, God's got a plan. And there are ways that he may indeed put some of that to work for you. God is our source. For everything. And so I've got a little detour right here, and then we're going to end on our last point. And it's this a word about the Christian grace of giving. Just as the Sabbath was a part of God's creation and not limited to legalism, our act of worship through giving is not limited to the Old Testament law. You'll hear, you hear us speak of tithes, and that is because the scripture speaks of tithes. The people of God were instructed in the Old Testament to bring their tithes 
tithe, that word means 10% of income, into the storehouse. God said the tithe belongs to him. It is not ours to make a decision about. Jesus affirmed that worshipers should tithe. New Testament giving is a display of the grace of God, the glory of God, and the faith of God. As we grow in faith and live by faith from start to finish in every part of our lives, we are going to see God at work from start to finish in every part of our lives. He is going to invite us to deeper levels of trust, new steps of faith, including in finances. Do not limit God and do not limit yourself. Allow the giving grace to flow in your life. And these other realities of faith for living at work will blossom and flourish and you will see increase and we cannot outgive the Lord. Amen. Okay, so we are working for God, not working for money. So, well, what do we, you know, work and money pretty well go together, right? They kind of do, but let's talk here for a minute. So, what is your job description? Even if you don't have a written portfolio or job description, I think most of us could come up with a general statement of our job. Even if you're retired, I think you can find a general description of your life purpose, how you spend your days. And so I just want you to think about that for a minute. What is your job description? Get that going in your mind for a moment. And then I would like for us to all consider editing that statement by adding this to the first line. (laughs) So whatever your job description is, I'm asking you to come up here to the top line and put this. Grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number one job description. Grow as a disciple of of Jesus Christ. Now, I can hear some questions and rebuttals. It might sound something like this. Uh, Pastor Brenda, I work for the government. I can't say that stuff. Or my boss doesn't want us to talk about Jesus at work. Or I don't have the luxury of editing my job description. (laughs) But this is for your personal mindset about work. For every one of us, our number one task, the main thing, our top priority, our central theme, however you want to say it, our job is to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, let's think about this concept. I am working for God, not for money. Financial resources are connected with work, but we must grow in our understanding, in that God is our, if God is the source of all things, including our financial provision, we have to remember that. We read a, a couple of Sundays ago in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters 
for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't do both. So we're working for God. Now, in this week of global crisis, the stock market in a free fall, the sense of uncertainty and fear growing around us, we can begin feeling very insecure about finances. And I want to encourage you today, God is your source. Your job is a gift that God is using in your life to help provide for you, but he's not limited by your job. He is your source. As followers of Jesus, we have an amazing opportunity right now to live hopefully, expressing faith in the middle of this storm. Now, those of you that have coworkers or friends or family that are dealing with anxiety, we prayed about that on Wednesday night. Your faith can shine like a beacon for people around you who can't see past their fear. And our faith is going to pass this test. And it will be proved more precious than gold. Do you believe me, friends? I want you to hear me. This kind of a, of a situation of crisis is this exact kind of climate in which revival can break out. It is the time when people are feeling at their end, that they realize that their plans aren't working, that their skills aren't enough, that the, the, the fear of, of a virus that, that they don't understand is just overwhelming them, and, and then the sense of the, the, the global markets and all of that, we can't control. People start seeing the end and they, of themselves and their ability to control And they start looking for answers. And if we will have confident faith, if we will have solid trust in God, if we will say, I live according to God's kingdom, according to God's principles, I don't make my decisions based on these things going around. That's why we're focusing on these three remain. We want to hold on to the things that are going to last through the storm that will still be standing when this storm is over. And we must have our faith shining out even in our workplace, especially in our workplace, so that we are bearing witness to Jesus. We work as unto the Lord. We work with the Lord I'm going to end with this. There's an article about practicing the presence of God at work. And just here are some quick suggestions. Uh, the author's name is Justin Early. And, and I have done this, but I have a much easier time than this first one, number one. But I'm just going to let you hear it. He recommends midday kneeling prayer. Now, There may be no place at your workplace where you would feel that it's possible to literally kneel and pray. But if that's the, if you do have a place where you could literally take your body out of its chair and 
just kneel for a moment. Changing the body posture. And I will do this frequently in my office. Just changing your body posture can set your mind in the presence of God. But if you can't kneel, if there's no place to go where it wouldn't be, you know, really, really awkward. Another thing is to do is to just kind of push away from your desk. Hold your palms up for a moment. Just stop and just have a moment where you just invite the presence of God into your workplace. Avoid distractions as your spiritual act of worship. That word distraction is getting huger and huger, and it's just very real. We are all facing distraction, and so he's recommending just finding a way to overcome the distractions and and treat that as a spiritual act of worship. Look at people's eyes. Make eye contact with people so that your coworkers are, you're able to actually, you're treating them as other human beings made in the image of God. Use the power of words. All of our jobs carry opportunities to use words like they matter, and followers of Jesus should be especially attentive to the power of words to bring life or to take it. And then his last point was, let Sabbath pace your work. There's only one person who sustains all things, and his name is Jesus. The rest of us can rest because of the work he has already finished. Let's pray. God, you're calling us to deeper levels of faith. You're calling us to a willingness to live by faith, to have faith for living in every area. And I pray today that as we contemplate our work life, as we contemplate the hours that fill our days between Monday and Saturday, the the things that we do, that we would understand that you are our source for all things. That, yes, we, we work for a company, we work for a supervisor, a boss, a, uh, we work in a situation and, and we want to be good stewards and good employees and good employers and, and all of that, Father. But ultimately, you are the source. And I pray that you would help our faith to grow in that reality. That what we receive from you we bless back, and that that cycle of treating you as our source actually engages our faith in new and deeper ways. I pray that you will help us to be that beacon that is needed in the middle of this time of crisis, Lord, that we will stand strong, that our faith will endure, that you will bring us through, and it will be proven as more valuable than pure gold. I pray that the level of engagement that we have in our community through faith will increase, O Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
Listen, I want to invite you, if you've got something weighing on you about your work situation, I just want to take a moment here. Let's offer that up to the Lord. Pray for the skills, for the wisdom, for the relationship issues, for the physical energy needed. I pray for understanding and communication. And grace, O oh Lord. I pray for grace to fill all the in-betweens, O oh Father. Father, I pray that this word would um, go with us this week. I pray that we will find ways to live by faith in our work, that we would engage and practice your presence while at work, and that we would understand that you are there with us and that we are working as unto you. We are working with you. We are engaged with you, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, friends. Thank you so much. Please spend a few moments visiting with each other, and let's go and make it a great week in the name of the Lord. Amen.